Before we get to the podcast, if you buy a car, truck, or van, new or used from Bomb Chevy Buick in Clinton, Illinois, you get a lifetime, that is forever, the rest of your life, subscription to Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Check out bombchevybuick.com today. That's B-A-U-M, chevybuick.com today. They are based just south of my house in Clinton, Illinois, and they also... They just happen to be some of the best human beings you will ever deal with in your entire life. I mean it. They are incredibly nice and easy to deal with. So if you need a car or truck, new or used, buy it from Bomb, and you get the added benefit of a lifetime, that is forever, lifetime subscription to Flow and Dirt on Dirt, and that is very cool. All right, let's go. And most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. This is the Rigsby Report podcast for the third week of January 2022, and I have to start out by saying I'm sorry. I am going to start this off by offering an apology. When I last did the Rigsby Report in early November, the plan was to have at least three or four more of those to close out 2021, and I had I had even started working on most of them, and then the reality set in that it was not going to be possible. Our NASCAR announcement, and we had a trip to Nashville for that. We had the Gateway Dirt Nationals. We had PRI. Uh, Our entire staff had a week in Austin to get the flow team ready for the new year. And all of a sudden, I looked up and Christmas and New Year's and the Tulsa shootout, and it was all bearing down on me. Uh, The Wild West shootout and Chili Bowl were in January, and they were bearing down on us. And, And rarely, and I mean rarely, does this happen in my career, but I had to stop and say, I just can't do all of this. I simply can't do it. And if any of you know me, you know that is rare for me. But I just had to step back and say, I can't do it, man. I have to eliminate something. And that's something for the time being in late November and December was was the video cast and the Rigsby Report for about six to seven weeks. But having said all that, we are back. I am back. The Rigsby Report returns with Bab, Bab. Bab, Bab. I think I've mentioned this on the air at one point. If not, I'm saying it now. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but gun to my head. Rigsby, who's your favorite dirt late model driver now or ever? And to me, the people that know me, they know that I love John Gill and I always will. But the answer to that question really is it's Shannon Bab. Of course, the fact that I'm an Illinois kid plays into that. Of course, the fact that Bab is a cushion pounder, that's a factor. And of course, the fact that He and I are personal friends. That also matters. But those are really just pieces of the puzzle that make him a really compelling guy. And he's also taken on this different level of popularity the older he gets. And I'm going to talk to him about that in this interview, this this bab fever that people seem to have about him. Uh, it's really cool. The older he gets in his career, it's really sort of picked up a fever pitch. It's a really good interview, and Shannon and I could have gone on for hours. It's, it's a little over an hour, and I think Dirt Late Model fans particularly, and really open wheel fans, are going to love it too. A, a few things before that. It is... It's been a a tough time in dirt late model racing here lately with some deaths that hit particularly close to home for us here, not just the industry, but for here, uh, for us at Dirt on Dirt. Ron Slavic, the longtime and incredibly well-liked vendor on Vendor's Row and former racer himself, always sold all the rocket gear and the Chubb Frank apparel and all that. He passed away after a battle with COVID a few weeks ago. Ron 
was an important figure for Dirt on Dirt particularly. He loved my wife, Amber, and I. He was always willing to lend a helping hand to everything we do and everything we did, especially in the beginning, whether it be a power cord or a bottle of water. Uh, Ron was always there for us uh, when we needed him. He was always there. Amber and I are going to miss him dearly. And I wanted to give a tip of, a tip of my hat, tip of my microphone, I guess I should say, to him and his entire family. Ron, we are really going to miss you, buddy. And of course, C.J. Rayburn. Uh, not much needs to be said about the impact uh, he had on the sport of dirt late model racing. The truest of true titans, right? I've always said that he's one of the four on the late model Mount Rushmore. He, Earl Baltist, Bloomquist, and Moyer. Those are my four. That is my four dirt late model Mount Rushmore people. And we lost C.J. right around New Year's Day. Uh, you know, we've had so many great stories about Rayburn on Dirt on Dirt since then, people that adore him. I thought I'd, I'd share a personal one really quick. Amber and I launched Dirt on Dirt back in 2007, and about 60 days into that, Rayburn had his annual open house in November that he used to have. He and his wife invited Amber and I over. We went, and CJ pulled me aside a little bit later in the night and said, young man, and I remember this quote, I will always remember it. He said, young man, I see a lot of you in me and that you don't ever quit. You'll work all night if you have to, and you don't ever give up. He said, Mr. Rigsby, don't ever lose that. That was a really impactful statement to me, something I've always carried with me, and I hope that I made CJ proud. He always told me he was proud of me when he'd see me and what we built, and and I will try to, to continue to uphold what, what he and I talked about that night in November. I'm thinking about him and his family also. Finally, a quick thought on Speed Weeks. As we start the, this weekend with, with Volusia 1.0, and this is officially the longest speed weeks in the history of dirt late model racing, 23 plus races spanning almost a month. I got asked a lot in New Mexico, what are we going to see at speed weeks? And my honest to God's answer is, I don't know. I really don't. This many races headed into a season with more high dollar races than ever before. Is that going to affect things? Are we going to have less cars? It looks like it affected the Wild West shootout a bit, but not a ton, right? We still had the mid-30s in cars, but 24 races, 23-24 in Georgia and Florida. That is a lot. I'm just going to say pay attention to that on opening night at Gold Miles. What's the vibe of the season? What is the mood? What is all of that? And quickly on the Wild West shootout also, I want to tip my hat to Devado Speedway Park in New Mexico. We all know that the event has been Arizona-based forever. We put a press release out. We're trying to get back to Arizona at some point. It will be again, we think, uh, Jonah Trussell's new facility. But Royal Jones, man, Devado Speedway Park is one of the five nicest facilities in the country, period. Not only is the facility nice, but we had two photo finishes in a week, and the racing was good all six nights. Uh, like I said, full details still being sorted out on the 23 and 24 Wild West shootout. Looks like we'll likely return to Vado if, if Jonah's track is not done in Arizona. But, man, I, just incredibly exciting time in Vado Speedway Park. And I just want to say thank you to Royal Jones and, and Chris Steppen so much. All right, let's get to Shannon. When I was working on my script for this Shannon Babb interview, I went back and forth at least like 20 times on how to start it. I, I am fanboying a little bit with Shannon also. I mean, I'm, I've got some nerdy Illinois guy late model questions I'm going to ask him. But when I think <laughs> about Shannon, there's always one thing that if we were reflecting on his entire career, it's hard for me not to reference. Shannon, during my 15-year Dirt on Dirt career, at one point, I just I had to start with this, uh, Shannon. I asked both Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer, who I think we all agree are one and two, depending on what order you put them in, the two greatest dirt late model drivers ever. And if you disagree or anybody disagrees, you're wrong. Those are the two best. 
At one point, I asked both of them, Shannon, during their career, guys, if you had to put one driver in your car for the rest of your life, who would it be? And both of those guys, Billy Moyer and Scott Bloomquist, told me, Shannon Babb. So I just hit you with a whopper of a question as Shannon Babb now <laughs> joins me on the Integra Shocks and Springs hotline. Shannon, the two best guys ever said you were the guy at different points in their career they would put in their car forever. Shannon Babb, what do you think when you hear that? You know, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's a lot coming from those two guys. Uh, um, I don't know what to say, really. I guess I, <laughs> I guess I'm glad and, you know, I'm glad that I earned, have earned their respect and, uh, you know, and caught their eye. And it's uh, definitely been, you know, that, that is for what those guys have accomplished. And I know what they, they know what the job takes to do and, for them to say they'd put me in their car, that's 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 a lot. I don't know what to say about that. Well, I, what I want to know too is, did any of them either tell you that ever? Did did Bab or, or excuse me, did Moyer or Bloomquist ever say to you, "Hey, Shannon, you're my guy"? Did you? I know you worked with Moyer a lot. Did you ever have that conversation with those two? You know, um, Billy and I, we we worked real close together. He was here a lot, and we were super close. So there was a lot of times we would, you know, test or whatever, not hop in and out of his stuff or whatever. And, and he did say a lot, Hey man, bad, but one of these days I'm going to hang my helmet up and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you can take over or something with just jokingly, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Scott, we, you know, I raced with him a lot and he was always sort of distance, but, um, he definitely always would stop by and say, Hey, good job or whatever. And, and, uh, it seemed like, uh, he did, you know, he, we both respected each other. And for him to say that, I, I must have, you know, I don't know what I did to <laughs> catch his eye, but it sure, that sure means a lot. Compare the two of those guys. You've worked with them both, Billy Moyer and Scott Bloomquist. Compare, and I think, Shannon, you agree. They're the best mm -hmm. ever, right? Those two are the best ever. I think. Oh, you would, yeah. yeah. Okay. Compa yeah. Compare the two. How are they like? How are they different? Um, I know it's funny I'm starting this Bab interview off with all these questions, but I had to. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, what I see in both of them is, you know, their desire to race is hot. I mean, they, they, they both, you know, you know, there's a lot of racers that are lukewarm. They may have some other hobbies on the side. And even myself, you know, come into hunting season, I like to go, or I like to go hunting, you know, at the end <laughs> of the racing season. But uh, these guys, they like to race and then they like to race some more, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, they, they, they do drift off a little bit, but it may be during the week, you know, and then they're right back at the racetrack hard on it again. And same way at home, they, they're just, they are very focused. Um, and, but both the guys are, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely motivated and self-driven. Nobody, they are their own boss. I mean, that's, I'd have to say that about both of them. They don't, they don't drive for people. They want to do it themselves. They want to call the shots and, they want to do it themselves. Um, I believe that they're both really strong-headed, and that's what makes them, you know, rise to the top at the very end. All right, I've started with a few bombs off the bat, like some big questions. So I, I'll give you a few. <laughs> I'll give you a few easy ones now. Shannon, okay. I realized for all the years I followed your career, I actually don't know a ton about like the earliest years of you in racing. Can you take me through yeah. that a little bit before you became Shannon Bab that we all know and love? How did this whole racing thing start for you? Well, you know, I I started just helping my dad. We raced over here in Macon and Farmer City, and 
he raced. Uh, so anyhow, when I was 16, 17, I got into uh, IMC Modified, and they raced here at Macon. So my first race was at Macon, and uh, I started like in, I believe it was July of 91, I believe, 90 or 91. And we, so yeah, we raced Modifieds, and my dad had a late model at the time. And uh, one night we go to Farmer City and we walk in the pits and sign up. And he says, you're driving it tonight. And I looked at him like, you're crazy. <laughs> so he, he threw, me the, threw, threw me to the woods, you know. So we ran. That was my, mod, or my late model start. So I run late models locally here, Farmer City in Macon, 91, 92, 93, 94, and uh, had some really good opportunities to jump in and out of guy, different guys' cars and, and seeing what different cars felt like. And and uh, through in 96, 97, I was racing for myself and felt like I had a pretty good grip on what I was doing and um, started venturing out a little bit here and there. And we, I think it was in 97 with over at Sumner, Illinois. Red Hill. Won a race. Red Hill. Yeah. yeah Red Hill. Yeah. yeah. Red Hill. And we won a race over there. And, and, uh, that's where I met CJ Rayburn. He, uh, <laughs> he, he came over and they said, boy, I don't know what I got to do to get you in one of my cars, but I, you, you need to come talk to me this winter. So, um, I'd been running GRT cars, uh, just stuff that I'd bought out behind Garrison's shop, you know, nothing new, just, <laughs> you know, just whatever I could scrap together. So we went over to CJ's and, um, we built our first car with him in 98, um, in the winter of 98 and went to Kentucky Lake for our first race in March, March of 98 and won the very first night out in it. And, uh, so that was the start of my Rayburn career. You know, I, I ran 98, 99, ran all the way to 08 in, in my Rayburn cars. What's and, cra- uh, that was Shannon. What's crazy about that is this is literally my next question to you is this, Yeah, I'm going to read it off because you'll never believe this. I said, I had seen you race <laughs> mods and stuff in Macon, uh, when you were young, yeah. but you're one of those guys who I was just watching at Macon, but then all of a sudden you make the move to late models and I become aware of you in the mid nineties. And here's my next sentence. You win a stars race at Kentucky Lake in 1998. That was my next sentence. And to me, that was yeah. like, I kind of feel like that was like the first really big Shannon Babb moment. Do you kind of feel that way too, that win at Kentucky Lake? Is that when you kind of arrived on the scene, you think? Yeah, I believe so. I It really built a lot of confidence in me whenever I was with CJ there at the beginning of that deal and and went to Kentucky Lake. It was a big racetrack. Big name guys were there, and we and we beat them. And, uh, and I, then I knew, well, man, I – you know, I, I knew right then that I could do it. So <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind we, we needed to be able to race and, you know, race as often as I could. Uh, the only thing holding me back is the same for everybody, you know, just money and manpower. Uh, so, you know, I, everybody told me, you know, I just worked hard at it and uh, it, would, it would come together. And fortunately for me, that's, that's what it has done. It's just been a chess match of, you know, trying to get different people, uh, you know, through my career to help me and, and just make the right moves to be able to keep racing. Um, but yeah. What were those Rayburn? Cause you were, you were like quintessential Rayburn guy, late late nineties, mid two thousands of swing arm cars are still beating around the mud in Illinois. 
Try yeah. to try to describe what it was like in a Rayburn car at that time. You know, he um he definitely was, you know, he had one of the best cars out there at that time yeah. and it worked he worked real close with everybody. He uh he would call me or I could call him any day of the week, any time, and we would discuss what our, how our cars were handling or anything we wanted to talk about. I mean, we talk about trucks or generators or tires, wheels, cars. I mean, um, it was, um, it was a big benefit for a guy like me that was learning, you know, that was trying to talk to him about places we had never even raced before. Where should I go there? Should I not? I mean, just a coach, you know, basically, um, a very good coach. So yeah, that was, that was definitely, the uphill start of my, yeah. you know, my, my racing career for sure. Do you, as we lost CJ and I mentioned this in the open here right around January 1st, when you heard the news that he was gone, Shannon, what was your, what was kind of your first reaction? You know, um, we all knew that, you know, he was getting up there in age. I mean, that's just what we are all going to face one of these days. And, it was, it definitely was sad. You know, me and Emily both were sitting there and it, it just kind of took my breath away. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with him and spent a lot of time over there. So he was one of those people that meant a lot to me. He did a lot for me. So, um, at the same time, you got to celebrate his lifetime. He, uh, man, he'd, he'd want you to be, he w- he'd want you to have a drink on him, you know, <laughs> and, and, and smile. So, and just, just talk and tell stories. So that's what we're going to do. As always, I just do a ton of research for these interviews. One thing I found out about you, your dad, you know, you mentioned, you know, your dad kind of getting you going in racing and the shop that you were talking about, the shop that you would work out and make, tell me if I have this wrong. He had show rabbits in your shop. He, sh- I guess like championship rabbits, show rabbits, whatever you want to say. And it just so happens that you were allergic to rabbits. Uh, we're not doing, <laughs> we're, we're not doing our true or false section yet, but is that right, Shannon? Your dad had show rabbits in the shop you were working on and you were allergic to the show rabbits that were in there. Well, yeah, you're, it's close. That story's close. Um, we were at my, that was at my grandpa's shop. Okay, my grandpa. Okay. Yeah. My grandpa, he did have Californian show rabbits. He had a, <laughs> he had a big shop and he had them full of rabbits. He was their pedigree rabbits, but on the backside of his shop, I had a shop and uh, that, that's where I raced out of for a couple of years. And, uh, but yes, I was allergic to the rabbits and my <laughs> gosh, it, I had to, I had to walk around, you know, and he'd always be wanting me to help him do things. So we, we, um, we work closely there together, but I, I try to avoid as much as I can because I, that's when I figured out I was allergic to rabbits. <laughs> Are we talking like sneezing, eyes watering? Like how bad was it here, Shannon? Oh yeah. Yeah. Sneezing, eyes watering. <laughs> you're yeah. It feels like you have asthma. Yeah. It, if when you're allergic to something, you'll, you'll know it in a hurry. Uh, I think you turned 48 on Christmas Eve. Your birthday's Christmas Eve. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, uh, that's uh, right. Okay. So you turned 48 on Christmas Eve, which of course to me feels impossible, right? I'm sure it feels impossible for you too. One thing I know about you and that a lot of people have told me about you, and I find this really endearing about you, is they always say, you know, Shannon does not live to race. And what they mean by that is you're not a guy who's going to mortgage his house three times to keep going. Uh, I know people who have literally done that, right? 
You love racing, yeah. of course, but it does not define who you are. I think if you ask most race fans, they'd say, oh, yeah, Shannon Babb is wildly obsessed with racing. It's all he wants to do. Yeah. But that's not really yeah. true, is it, Shannon? Yeah, no, you're right there. We, um, I guess what happened is, you know, when I, I was born into racing, my dad and my, you know, my dad's uncle, Rob, raced USAC sprint cars. And so anyhow, from the time I was born, I spent every evening out in the garage working on race cars and learning how to use the cutting torch and washing lifters out in a gas can. And so I put so much time in when I was three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, you learn, you know, till I was 15 that I started racing. And then I just, you know, there, I need, when I started kind of getting to the, uh, my adulthood, I wanted to see what else is, what else was in life, you know? So I, now that I'm in control, I, um, you know, I love racing, but I'm not, but I also, I love my family and my life that I have, and I, I I'm going to do everything I can to be as well-rounded as I can be and see as much in this world and not just focus, just stare at this race car. And this is all I want to, all I do. I, when I go down, I want to know that I've done some other things also. You've got a career that's obviously going to be, you know, or is a Hall of Fame career now. Um, but I, I, I'm going to ask you this question, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way, because, by the way, I love the way you lived your life. We're going to talk about your farm in a minute and how jealous I am of everything that you've got <laughs> down there. But do you think, yeah. Shannon, again, this is weird to say because you've had this wildly successful career. Do you think if you were a crazy racing psycho like some of these guys, could your career have been even better, do you think? And not that you regret it, but I think you know what I'm asking, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I, You know, if I... If you, if I would have stayed out there and, and beat the highway down and, um, I could have put some more numbers in, you know, some more wins in and definitely, or ran better, you know, learn more at an accelerated rate. And the guys that are doing it every day are definitely going to be the ones that are the best. Um, if you, if you back off a little bit at all any, anymore, you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to miss, you're going to be behind. Um, but you know, that's, you have to pay the price. It, there's a price to pay right. for being out there racing also. So, you know, uh, um, it, it definitely, there's a fork in the road when it, it comes to, do you want to go to Florida or do you want to stay home? <laughs> you yeah. know, there's decisions to make all the time, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely, there's definitely things at times I I could say, well, I wish I would have went ahead and followed through that with this and did this, but uh, well, I'm I'm happy with where I'm at. We have seen on our own airwaves with Derek, and I've seen it with my own eyes. One of your true loves is that farm that you live at. It's just a stone's throw away from Macon. It's like I tell people, it's like Charlotte's Web. There's horses, there's pigs, there's ducks, <laughs> there's geese. They're all living together. Obviously, I'm not inviting people to your house, Shannon. Emily would kill me if I yeah. did that. But people really yeah. need to see it to believe it, how cool it is. Try to describe to people what you've got with this farm you've got. and just It's a special little place, man. It really is, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It really is. Um, just right outside the back of my shop here, we've got a little barn that we, some friends of my friends and myself put up one day. And, uh, right now I've, I still have Rocky and Paco. I got a horse and a donkey and I have two pigs (laughs) and I have about, right now I have about 40 ducks and they, they're (laughs) free to fly down here on my pond or out into the cornfield. And, 
actually, as I look out the window, they're out here eating in the cornfield. So, <laughs> uh, it's cold right now. So everybody's just kind of hanging out and bundled up, but, uh, I enjoy it. It's, you know, and the girls enjoy it. They come out here and collect eggs every day and feed the chickens and, and, uh, Emily fixes egg sandwiches about every morning for all of us. So <laughs> that's, that's one benefit to it, but, uh, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's cheap funds. What I say it's, um, you know, it's something, something different besides, you know, the, the every, everyday grind. Tell me again, what are all the animals you have? What are their names? I know not all the 40 ducks have names, <laughs> but give me all the animals and all the names again real quick. Okay, we got Rocky is the horse, Paco is my donkey, Wiley is my pig, Pearl is my other pig, that's a girl, Yeah. and then we have Kate, that's a goose, and she's well over 15 years old now, um, and then I have a lot of ducks, a lot of, a lot of other chickens, but tell, yeah, that's, that's it right now. Tell me the story, is it the donkey that protects the goose, the geese from the coyote? Yeah. Is that right, the donkey, like the coyotes try to get in and the donkey's protecting the geese, right? Yeah, yeah, the the donkey he definitely runs off any type of predators. But uh, we've we've had foxes come into my fence and had coyotes come over my fence to try to get the chickens or whatever. And and uh, you can usually tell when something's up. The the donkey he'll have his ears perked up and he'll be looking over. But <laughs> Kate, my goose, stays right beside him. If they're out in the pasture or wherever they're at, she stays like right beside him because she knows too that he's going to protect her. So Emily. Uh, Emily wakes up a lot of times real early and she'll look out and she'll be like, Shannon, there's a coyote or Shannon, there's a fox. I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. So she sounds alarm usually and wants to send me out with a gun or something. It's about like the clamps around here at times. I believe I've heard a story of either a totally nude Shannon Bab or a near nude Shannon Bab running out with a <laughs> rifle to shoot a coyote. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I had my boxers on and my eyes were about half closed still, but uh we had uh we sh- there was actually a coyote in in the in the in my barnyard and he was running some things around but he uh he heard Emily screaming before I could even get out there so she kind of sounded the horn and, and gave him a a warning I guess Shannon, we've got this era now and we we touched on this a little bit where people are racing 110 times a year and like we talked about, you're sort of on the opposite end of that spectrum. This sort of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of ties into the point of you not racing to live. Do you look at these guys now that are racing 110 times a year and go, Jesus, I, I can't even imagine that. You have to think that, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a lot. It really is. Um, considering we did 50 last year, we've, the last 10 years, I've probably done, you know, an average of 50. And so anyhow, they, you know, the nice thing about it today is they, they are scheduling race. There's a lot of races out there and, uh, the trucks and trailers and the motorhomes they live in nowadays are nice. Um, the equipment's getting nicer all the time. So it's, uh, dirt racing is evolving. They're making it to where you can race and put the numbers together for sure. Right. You know, and I, I think, you know, if we all, if we look back though, Shannon, we all agree if, you look back over the storied career of Shannon Babb, and I just asked a random person about you. I said, hey, tell me about Shannon Babb. They'd say, oh, my God, he's one of the great cushion pounders of all time. He always lets it hang out. He's banging the boards. But, you know, I talked to you. You're a laid-back guy, right? You're not really aggressive. Where did that style come from, this aggressive, up-on-the-wheel, cushion-pounding style for such kind of a quiet, laid-back dude? Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I just, uh, I guess when I... You know, even when I get on a four-wheeler or motorcycle or anything else out here, it just, it comes out in me. I just, 
you know, I like to push myself to the limits, whether I'm racing myself, like I said, on in the woods on a motorcycle or if I'm on in a car. Uh, sometimes I scare myself, but anyhow, it's a, uh, you know, on the racetrack, I'll, I always maybe, you know, at the, in the beginning, I know I didn't have the patience just to hang out and, and wait, you know, I, you know, I was the first guy to try to go to the top and go buy him. I just didn't want to wait. So, uh, you know, the, the more mistakes you make on the cushion, the more mistakes you, you learn from and the better and the smoother you get at it. And then, you know, eventually you can put it all together. And, uh, I've just always enjoyed it. And, uh, maybe I wasn't the best at setting my car up. So the last resort was I had to go to the cushion to make something work. So who knows what, but it seems like, yeah, I've put, I've put a lot of laps together on the top. Does that like, um, actually, no, let me ask that in a different way. Have you, What's the most scared you've ever been? And I know a lot of race car drivers don't like to talk about that, but have you ever had a moment when you're pounding the cushion somewhere and you go, oh, shit? Like, have you had that moment? <laughs> uh, I, I can't really recall that too much, but um, there's, there's time, there is a time, there's, there is usually a split second right before you splat something you know it's getting ready to get big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I can't pick one particular time out, but I, I do – I. I have had that feeling. You know, how much does Macon shape that, though, Shannon, right? When you race at Macon, and really all these Illinois bull rings where you grew up, but Macon was the place where you cut your teeth. Did that kind of develop, that helped develop your style, at least a little bit, I think, racing that bull ring like the way you raced it? Oh, for sure. You know, that that is a fun little racetrack. Um, and, and really, it's a great beginner track because you're you're learning how to run the bottom, the middle, and you learn how to run the top against that cushion. But you're not going a hundred mile an hour. You know, you're you're actually, if you do mess up, you can regain control of your car and you don't destroy stuff. You just you can you can kind of put your style together and and learn from it. So yeah, I'm gonna have to say that that shaped my driving style. Um, I just, you know, I took it from there and just had to, uh, had expanded a little bit. So, you know, you, when you're, you go from a fifth mile out to the three eighths, quite a bit of difference. And then it just keeps, when you go up to the half miles, even more difference. But, uh, but yeah, I think if I was going to have to learn this, this place right here is an easy place to learn at. Just Illinois in general, Shannon, if you're a paid advisor, let's say Shannon Babb is 65 years, well, you know, you will be 65 at some point, obviously. If you're a paid advisor mm-hmm. and someone had a young kid who wanted to start in dirt late model racing, wouldn't, I would, would you advise them to live in Illinois? We are both biased, I'm sure, but I really believe if, and I tell Billy Moyer Jr. this all the time, you should just move to Illinois. You got to drive 10 hours everywhere. I think if you're, a, if you're a paid advisor, Shannon, would the advice be to a dad or a mom, make sure your kid lives in Illinois or try to? I I feel like you're right there. Um, I, you know, you can go where this is a pretty good little hub centrally located here. You can go every different direction. But, you know, not only that, um, the racetracks, there's a lot of races, but, you know, the racetracks are are uh, are always good. You know, they go through every condition. So, uh, but yeah, as far as being able to go north, south, east, west, or whatever, we're fortunate for living right here where we're at. I always think, you know, four hours to Florence, four hours to Eldora, you know, like Wheatland's not that yeah. far, Cedar Lake's not that far. And I don't know, just Bobby, Brandon, you, all these guys, is there something to that? Like being able to lean on something, does that make a difference for a driver? Like what Bobby and Brandon have had to learn how to do and what you did, that will help you other places. Do you think there's something to that? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, yeah, I see it in those guys all the time. I'm, 
Fairbury and Farmer City and Macon here, you you learn how to stand on the gas and get 110% out of your car every lap. You, I mean, you learn, that's just how they race here. And because uh, there's so much traction in this black dirt is what the difference is. And then when the track does give up and start slowing down, well, then you have to adjust and learn how to drive differently and, and have a little finesse. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of race tracks that just, they don't ever see the tackiness condition no matter how much water they put on it they just don't ever see that just from the dirt that they have to work with so uh so yeah here here in uh, illinois the you know these guys have learned how to how to be really strong early and there's a lot of them there's a lot of them being raised up right now at fairbury uh, that, that are going to be tough there is no doubt dirt late model fans uh, maybe 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 not know this story but there are thousands that listen to this podcast when we do it that don't know it uh, you're going to know where I'm headed with this 1997 summer nationals race at Macon your career is really starting to take off uh, pace lap for the feature you break you have to pull into the infield local late model driver Virgil Bilbrey who is starting in essence last in the race and really doesn't doesn't have a good car he sees you break he knows your talent and he says oh Shannon hop in my car and you do so quickly you hop in his car you get strapped in and you turn in one of the most amazing performances I have ever seen I was there that night rallying all the way from last in really not a good race car, in front of your home crowd. Macon, which is one of the most raucous crowds anyway, is going absolutely <laughs> bananas. Of course, what you did not account for, the weight difference between you and Virgil. He was a much bigger guy. And Shannon, at that time, you might have been a buck fifty. I don't know what you weighed, but it wasn't much at that time. It wasn't much. <laughs> you weigh in light. You get disqualified. The Macon fans almost burn the place down. I want the most honest response I can get from you. When I bring that night up, what do you remember the most about that night? Well, you know, there was, there was a lot about that night. I still, I have no idea how that even happened. I mean, it was, that, that is, that's a night that you couldn't write up. It's just crazy. Um, we, you know, we had worked so hard on, on my own car and, you know, it was, we were fast. We started on the, you know, started up front with that car and, and, uh, before we even took the green, it broke and I come in and, and Virgil, I mean, I, I didn't even see him. You know, I was just pulled in the infield and got out and he pulled up beside me. I'm like, what do you want me to look at his tires? Or what is, <laughs> what, you know, what's this guy want? He jumps out. I was like, get my car. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, can I do that? Yeah. I mean, at, at the time, everything was legal at making at that time. You know? So <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't even put, you know, a second of thought to we, I just jumped in and, and, uh, you're right. I mean, he, he had to been, I mean, he's a big guy. He had to been 285, 300 and I, you know, I'm 150. <laughs> and, uh, what I do remember is I probably needed a 15 inch seat and he had a 20 inch seat, <laughs> you know, and a big steering wheel. So it, uh, that was a two by three box tubing bullet car, oh, wow. a four bar car. And, uh, we took off and I, I pulled out, shifted gears and stood on it, went to the top and I'm like, woohoo, uh, hold on. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I learned real quick that I, I, it, I was going to have to go where the car wanted to go. And, uh, it took me 10 or 15 laps to figure the car out. And it, I found a happy spot on the racetrack. And, and when we started going by people, I remember going by Bill Fry and Billy Drake. And I thought, holy smoke, this thing is good. You know, the whole time I'm driving, I'm thinking, well, wonder what, wonder what springs he's got on this car. You know, what tire, I don't even know what tires he's got on it. You know, and uh, so we, uh, 
I, I, I still can't believe it. We, we get to the end, of, we get the lead and got to the end of the race and won it. And, um, at that time he was on methanol and, uh, and heck, I didn't even know how much fuel, I didn't even know if he wanted me to race the whole race or just make a couple laps and get the start. Money. <laughs> I didn't know what he wanted. I just run it to the end, but we, we won the race and come up light and holy smokes it was just you know having all my buddies down there and and they were wound up and the guy that owned the car was well we were all wound up it was it was a crazy event for sure do people because you still live right by Macon. i mean listen this is todd turner and i tell this story to each other once a year we tell the virgil bilbrey story to, to young kids that don't know <laughs> do people around Macon ask you about it still because it's still one of the greatest things i mean this car was not a great car and you did things with it that just I don't know. I just don't imagine you'd go to like the convenience store and somebody's like, "Hey, man, Virgil Bilbrey, '97." I hope that's happening still. I I I still hear that story. I do I do get questions probably once a year. I see somebody yeah. and and they'll mention that and and I still scratch my head. You know, it's it is amazing. Uh, it goes back to like what Petrov and everybody else says. Bab, your car your car don't have to be good. Just get up on the wheel. Just you know. <laughs> Pull the seatbelts tighter and just do make some make something happen. I'm like, well, you know, maybe maybe there is a lot of truth to that. I don't know. <laughs> so it's it's definitely crazy. Will you do me a favor next time some old lady at the concessions uh, stand or, or the convenience store and make and ask you about it? Will you text me, please, when that happens? I'd like to. <laughs> I, I will do it. Okay. I will do it. You know, we're talking. That was a summer nationals race. I, I know that tour is something that personally. It means a lot to you and me both, right? We're Illinois boys. Uh, what really is the home of the Summer Nationals is this state and has been since the late 80s. You, of course, tied Billy Moyer with 100 all-time wins. You'll eventually become the all-time wins leader uh, with your next victory. That tour, to me, has defined so much of your career and shaped your life. Just think about the hours you've spent doing it. I was going to ask you, why do we love it so much, Shannon? I know that we both have some criticisms of the Summer Nationals, but at its core, we both we both love it. Why why do we love the Summer Nationals so much? Yeah, you're right. We we do. It's it's been ups and downs, and we you know everybody we wish we wish we talk about boy it would be better if they do this or that, but you know at the end of the day we just love going to these racetracks that are here in the Midwest that we've grown up with more than anything. It yeah. feels like home, everyone we go to. And it's a, you know, it, it's a different race. You know, when we, when it's the summer nationals and we go, we go there, it's just, it's the big feeling that you used to get. And we're, we're still getting bits and pieces of that feeling. Right. But, um, but anyhow, I, you know, it's a, they're just, they're a lot of fun. There's a lot of action and you don't have time for your adrenaline to wear off. You, you, you get your six or seven hours of sleep that night and you're <laughs> back at it working on it again. And, you know, uh, people are straight in quarter panels and you're walking around the car, looking at everybody's cars the next day, talking, racing, and we race again. And I'm telling you, it's, it's like all these other places when you put a week or two of it together and you, then you put three or four weeks together, it's, it, uh, you get a taste of racing for sure. It's, and then when you come home and you're, you're sitting here in the wintertime, you're, you're trying to put your mind back into that mode again to make yourself work hard. You know, what can we do to make our job easier come this summer when it's 100 degrees out? So, yeah, I, the, the Summer Nationals, I, I've just always loved it. That's what we've had to do around here. It's, there's something ro romantic about it too, right? It's like this 
it's probably just because it's so woven into you and I's DNA. I mean, shit, I was six years old going to 10 Summer Nationals races a year watching Shannon Babb and John Gill and Bob Pierce and Kevin Weaver. It's just, there's like something romantic about being on the road every night. And there? there's just there's something neat about it. For sure. It, um, you know, we've, <laughs> we definitely have been, uh, been doing that for a long time, but it, uh, going, going to the races, hitting it hard, uh, either staying at the track or, you know, going to the next race afterwards, stopping and eating and just yeah, cutting up. telling stories and, you know, telling stories with your buddies. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's better than every, you know, the just racing on the weekends and cooling off. And, you know, during the week you have time to cool off and you kind of forget what happened. <laughs> I've advocated for the Hell Tour, and I know you have too, Shannon, to go back to. See, and by the way, for the folks listening at home right now, he's probably moving an animal. I can hear him getting in and out of his truck. He's moving an animal <laughs> right now. He's got some dog under one arm and a pig under the other. I can see it already. So um, I've advocated for the Hell Tour to go back to more of its original format, 18 to 20 races right you know, right in a row, maybe one off day. I think we're at the point where they could all pay ten grand, And I'd tell Sam Driggers the same thing if he was on here. And I, I love Sam, and I love Dirt Car as much as you do. Would you prefer yeah. that? I would love your general thoughts on that. I think it makes the tour stronger with less races than more races. I'd like to hear your opinion. Oh, for sure. When it's, you know, the last couple of years, it's been spread out so far that you lose. you got to be able to see the end. If you can't see the end of it, then, you know, the when people's not going to chase the little carrot. Um, yeah. Whenever uh, my dreams are just like you just said, if we could have 18, 20 races jam packed together to build the pressure up and make it for today's money, make it for better money. Um, you would definitely get the pressure built back up and the interest built back up. And, and really get the energy going again. And the interest is out there. The people are there. Uh, they just they want to be able to schedule where they can take a whole week off of work and come out and do it. Yeah, and I'm excited about you know the, the Flow Racing Illinois Speed Weeks we have later this year kind of harkens back to the old summer nationals for me, right? It's Spoon River, Lincoln, Farmer City, Fairbury. Uh, I'm going to take, take a shameless plug for you. Are you excited about that week? 22,000, 22,000, 15,000, 30,000. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> old school summer nationals week, I think. Wow, I'm, it is. That's that is that's really got us uh got us going we're we're like we're trying to get geared up for it um that is a lot of money to race for and and if 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 you was a fan or a racer and you wanted to just call off a week of work that would be one to go to right there and in places that's, so close to home shannon i think you might put 180 miles on your truck that week right <laughs> that's pretty nice for a guy oh, like you so yeah that's that is really nice. You're not going to burn a lot of diesel fuel. Just a little bit of time and a lot of laps on the racetrack. Last couple of things before I get to true or false. Um, your favorite summer nationals moments. Uh, take the Virgil Bilbrey one out. It could be something weird. I don't care. Do you have some immediate summer nationals memories that pop in your head, Shannon, about things? Maybe it's traveling. Maybe it's big wins. What What do you got? You know, there's a you know the traveling was a lot of fun. Um, we you know. Uh, the, the traveling was always fun. The, the racing part, um, there's just so much of the racing part that, you know, it's, we, we've seen it, we've seen it all. We've, we've broke parts and pieces. <laughs> we've changed the engines. We've, 
we've done it all, but, um, you know, more than anything, probably just, uh, going to new places and seeing things along the way. Now oh, those truck stop, those late night truck stop stories. I'm going to get to a few of those here in my true or false segment as we, as we wrap the interview, <laughs> I've got a few of those for you. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you about too, one of my favorite eras of your career was the Petroff Posse era, early 2000s. Uh-huh. You, Billy Moyer, Don O'Neill, all sponsored by Ed Petroff. And you really kind of lit the dirt late model world on fire for a year or two. You were all parking together. You're all in red and yellow cars. It felt like you three were first, second, or third in some combo every night. Reflect on the Petroff Posse era for me, because there were some people that didn't like you guys either. I remember there was a little (laughs) rivalry with Rocket at the time, right? Rocket's parking over here, Petroff's team. Just kind of talk about that time. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, You know, they... I believe Don O'Neill, he was very strong at that time yeah. and, uh, you know, a little honorary and, and so Billy Moyer was, he was fast and he was Mr. Smooth and, and, uh, I was just getting going, but, uh, you know, we, we, we could win our share of races also. So yeah, when we were all parked together and, and, and uh, had Petroff on our cars, it was a cool deal. And, and Ed probably stirred up half the, half the <laughs> stuff that was going on anyhow. He, he liked a lot of that, but, um, uh, you know, see, we were all in CJ's car yep. and, um, that kind of built our, you know, our, made our relationship a lot tighter and, um, between all of us drivers. But anyhow, I, yeah, those were the days, uh, you know, it was, did rocket, it was, was it rocket uh, that hated you guys? There was like a rivalry there for a while. Who, who was it? I just, and you're right. It was, <laughs> it was Ed skitter scattering around the pits causing trouble for you three, but who was it oh, rocket? Yeah. What was the rivalry then? I can't remember. It was something. I I really don't really truly remember a lot. There I know there was a lot of GRTs that would run back. Like Wendell, he would come up and race with us. Yeah. And Jack would come in and race with us a little bit. And, um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of got, a lot of good competition at all those races. Do you remember? Uh, do you still own a Petrov Posse T-shirt? Because I do. I still have the one with the three of <laughs> you guys. On the back. <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, I, I I think I do have some. I know I had that magazine around with the Petrov Posse on the front of it. It's like a cartoon, right? Wasn't it a cartoon? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, we've talked a lot about Billy Moyer. Was he your racing hero, Shannon? Is he? Was he your guy in racing that was kind of your hero? Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember seeing him. You know, when I was still in my modified stuff, I hadn't even started running late miles yet. He'd come up and run the Springfield Mile and run Springfield and. Uh, I'd seen him, at, he'd come in here to make into the Heron View 100. So he was, you know, he was definitely a big dog. He, uh, these guys, they, they definitely set the bar for what, you know, a young guy starting out would wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be just like them guys, you know, I want to try to, you know, get the same, same equipment, you know, or how are these guys are preparing their equipment? How in the world are they getting the car so fast? So, yeah, I mean, those guys, they definitely was uh, the guys we chased for sure. Do you, you know, people always think of you as this truly independent Midwestern guy. You know, you and Burkoffer and Mars kind of run this independent schedule, but you did have some mm-hmm. rides. I mean, you drove for Clint Boyer for a while. What, where, what all rides did you have, Shannon, where you were not the car owner? Like, who, what all were those? Clint, take, take me through those. Well, I, um, in the very, very beginning, um, I drove for Terry Conrad out of Springfield. Um, he had a salvage yard and that was the number 10 car that I ran at like farmer city and Macon. Um, I drove for Lenny Kerfus in 95 
uh, he was a, a farmer down here around uh, Litchfield. Then I, I drove for myself in 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, and then uh, drove for the Moyers from 2001 to 2007. And uh, that's when I talked to Clint there, and I drove for him in 2008. Um, and I came back for myself and for 2009 um, till now, yeah. you know, so... That, yeah, we. Uh, what didn't work about the Boyer ride? What just is the, the the distance and everything? Is that what it was? You know, uh, yeah, it it was a dream come true. I mean, he basically supplied everything we ever wanted, um, for sure. Um, I guess it was just being so far from home. You know, I I had built everything I had right here at home. It, it'd probably be different if I hadn't put my roots down right here. You know. Um, and, you know, I, I believe he was just getting started. So it was, um, it was kind of new to him too. And, um, it, it definitely, it definitely was a really good experience for me. We ran a lot of races. Um, but I, I just had a lot of changing going on in my life at the same time. I, I, I get, you know, Emily and I, we got married there in 2008 and, um, uh, just a a lot happening and I, I just felt like I would be more comfortable in a better racer if I just came back home and, yeah. and, and raced out of the Midwest again. Shan, is, is there a version of your career that goes differently? Is there a version where you're not running the summer nationals? And maybe it's this Boyer thing we're talking about, but instead you're a national touring guy. You're not around Illinois as much, or was that never really what was going to happen for you? I'm curious if there's like an alternate reality for the Shannon Babb career. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did like what I did in 2008. Um, and we, I, I had thought about, you know, doing some national stuff. Um, I mean, it goes back to putting all the pieces together, the, you know, not only the time spent on the road, but having the dollars to do it and having the people to do it. The people are more important than the dollars. A lot of times, if you get the right people, you can make the dollars. Um, but just, putting everything together um that was that was the that was the part that always held me back i believe yeah and i think people you you know you you didn't have the best of stuff always right i mean you had good equipment but it's not like you were flush with cash right yeah, well you know for sure uh you know it's it's always been a chess match you know selling one piece to buy the a next piece and putting a little money with it um when i I was very fortunate to be able to drive for the Moyers and, and that gave me the confidence and the money. I hear the girls. Yeah. I hear the girls. I, <laughs> I, yeah. I just picked up Finley. So he's getting in the truck. We'll be all right. Oh, I love it. Tell her I said hello. <laughs> okay. Anyhow. Um, now, right now, we probably have the best equipment that I've ever had. It's it's crazy. We've we've got very good race cars, very good engines. Um, we're upgrading to a different truck and trailer, a newer truck and trailer this year. We've been racing out the same one for the last ten years, and so we we've got some very good sponsorship and uh, a lot of good equipment. What I faced last year is I realized I need manpower. Yeah. Um, 
the people. Uh, it's just been me and, and Pat, and Pat's a very, very good fabricator and a very good, very good guy to have. I mean, he is loyal to me. He's been with me from the very beginning. Just he worked other jobs. He's a he's a pipe fitter by trade, so he um, he's very strong. I just need about two more of him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know, I I used to be able to be able to put in myself i put in a lot of hours and making up for it but now that i've got a family and i'm getting older i'm starting to see i need more help and uh that's one thing i'm going to do this year is i'm going to have to maybe i'm going to have to get some guys and i might go through some guys and they may not stay for two or three days but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna shuffle through some people till i get some help and and i'll 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 grind on until I find one that sticks with me. Final few things, Shannon, before true or false. I wanted to hit on this with you. I think you've reached this mythical status, and let me explain what I mean by that. <laughs> Lo- Logan Seavey, very popular sprint car driver, is not afraid to wave his Bab fandom online. Kyle Larson is a hu- <laughs> Kyle Larson, a huge Shannon Bab guy. Every late model driver in America loves Shannon Bab. I was at the NASCAR banquet, and I shit you not, um, yeah. I-, I had a NASCAR exec say to me, you know who I like watching is that Shannon Bab You've not only raced long enough in your career, but you've done enough at this point now where you've got this like sort of mythical thing going, Shannon, where you're like a folk hero almost. Do you feel a little bit of that? I, I hope you can feel it and see it and appreciate it when guys like Logan Seavey are just dying to get to the racetrack to watch Shannon Bab race. Hey, man, that is that is cool. I That really makes me feel good. I, I'm glad that... Uh, I'm glad that it's stuck in some people's minds. I guess we've, we've put enough laps together that maybe we evidently have, have made some people smile. Um, that makes me feel really good. Um, but you know, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely learned a lot about people with just watching flow nowadays. There's, that is one dream come true is being able to watch all these races and, and see the, the interviews and the different people that's out there. Um, that is, that has really brought a lot to my attention for sure. Uh, you know, just, just like the wild west shootout and the chili bowl. I mean, yeah. I've been able to work on the race car and watch a lot of races here. So that is, that's been really nice. We'd be remiss of course, if we didn't talk about the 2005 world 100. Uh, I want to take a different approach though. We all know you won. We all know you were light at the scales. You know, I've heard, I've heard a couple different versions of why you were light at the scales. Can you officially clear that up, Shannon? Because I've heard a little different story. What, in 05, was it just the motor change and the weight difference? Is that officially why you were light? Yes. Yes, that was, that was why. We, um, I, I won my heat race, and when I won my heat when I was racing, I, dropped, I broke a valve spring and bent a valve and messing things up there in the head, and I came in. And, um, we had a race tech engine at the, in it at the time. And, um, so Jay and I, and Dave Hoff, we changed the engine, put a Jay Dickens engine in and just another one we had in the cabinet there and, uh, got it all put together. And, um, you know, everything happens in a hurry. And I didn't even think that there was going to be, you know, 10, 15 pounds difference in the two engines. But, uh, but there was, you know, the the earlier engine had a heavier crankshaft and a lot bigger, lot of lot bigger SP2 style engine. It was a little heavier engine. Uh, I think the intake manifold and some other things was heavier about it. And so, you know, we changed the engines, went out and and 
you know, we had a very good performance. The car ran great. Everything stayed together, and I was just pleased to death with it. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, the track rubbered up. We burned a lot of fuel. We wore a lot of tires down, and we were just close on weight. And uh, I always calculate my car to be close on weight because a, a lighter car is a faster car. But this time, you know, we were just nine pounds light. So this didn't pan out for me. You know, do I do I and fans think about that night more than you do? Because I think about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I you know I wish we could have done things easier or differently. It had been it had been real nice if we had just passed. You know, if if I would have just, uh, I wouldn't have. I guess I couldn't change anything. And if I would have added some weight, I don't really know why I would have added weight. I I um, I thought I had it. I thought I had it spot on um, at the time, but, um, you know, we keep going back each time thinking that we're going to have a, another shot at it, but, uh, you know, competition is very, very good. And there's guys that are at their point in their career right now that, that I was at my point in my career then, you know, uh, you're just on top of your game. And, uh, so what I need to do is just work hard and, and practice a lot, try to get, back to where I can be in the front and capitalize when I get the opportunity to win another race like that. I'm not afraid to tell you I cried. I mean, I cried. I literally, <laughs> I had, I, I, did your, do you remember your family? Did you cry? Did you cry that night? Uh, no, honestly, it was a weird deal for me. I was so happy that I, I didn't let it sink in that I didn't win the race. I was just happy that I that I passed those guys and I won the race in my, in my eyes, I won the race. Yeah. You know, um, I knew that I, I, I officially, the officials threw me out for not passing the scales, but at the same time I thought, you know, dang it, we, we won the race. I was tickled to death, you know? So and the longer that the more time went by and you know, I, I just thought then, hell, I'll do it again next year. You right. know, I'll, I, no, no problem. And you almost it, did. It, and you almost did the next year. Yeah. Yeah. We, we almost did. We really did. We, uh, we had a real good run the next year in 06, but, uh, it's, it's cool to be a big part of that. And Hey, things, things happen in your life that you just really can't, you just don't know why they do, but, uh, things happen and you just go on down the road. All right, some quick hitters here. Uh, you see all this money being thrown around uh, late model racing now, Shanna. Do you wish you were twenty years younger? For sure, I, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, there is a lot of money out there right now. Um, yeah, it would definitely now would be the time to have a bunch of your buddies that don't really care if they make a dollar or not, and, and just get in the truck and start down here in Georgia and just go all summer. Uh, Cause uh, somebody's, somebody's going to cash in big. There's no doubt. You have one of the great racing families. And we heard, I think you said it was Finley in the background. You picked her up there, your wife, Emily, who I adore. And my wife adores your daughters, Finley and Renly. I was going to ask you, are they, are your daughters into racing? Do they like it? I know that I see them at the track and they love uncle suave. Uh, do they, do they like racing? Oh, they, they do. They, they love racing. Um, I'm worried what I'm going to do when it comes to the point where I, you know, I decide to go the other direction, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, I'm going to get these girls hooked on it. And, uh, maybe I, maybe they'll get hooked on basketball over here at the <laughs> high school or something, but, 
They do. We, we're out here all the time. These girls, they help me wipe the car down or, you know, they uh-huh. take a 716th wrench and they go around tighten up all the body bolts. And, uh, but anyhow, they, they know everybody. They, when we're watching the races <laughs> or Emily's watching the races, they know Frankie Heckiness and Brian Shirley and Jason Fager. They, they know everybody. So it's, it's really cool deal. They, they, um, they really are involved in, like I've always told everybody, my wife likes racing more than I do. So <laughs> that's, a, that's the crazy thing is we, uh, she's, I've got, I've got four brother-in-laws and at one point in time, they, they all race. So, uh, they make me look like an angel. <laughs> how, uh, you mentioned the end of your career. How long you got Shannon? How long you have left? Well, you know, I, I, I love racing and I feel like I really, can go a long time um i think just like this winter i i do feel like my body is going to tell me when it's time to quit uh being out on the concrete all day long when you when you go in at night and you're like oh my god i can't even move you know just i don't know if i can if i can put in the all the time and uh i know i i know i can do it for at least another five years for sure I'd like to get ten out of you, but we'll we'll discuss that more. Uh, last <laughs> last one before true or false. What is something a forty eight year old Shannon Bab would tell an eighteen year old Shannon Bab? Well, what what is funny is I just was telling my wife this the other day. I I don't know how I would do it do it differently, but I told her I said, "Man, I could have worked." half as hard and got things done way sooner if I would have just had the financials or went and borrowed the money to do things right the first time. So, uh, you know, you just, by the time I get done racing here, I'm going to finally have everything the way I want it and all the equipment <laughs> that I need that I need to do my job. And then I'm going to be done. So I don't know. It's, I would just tell everybody to don't ever pass up an opportunity. Um, because it won't, it won't come back to get you. You know, you better jump on it and good or bad and, and uh, just learn from whatever, whatever, you, whatever you do. All right. We end every Rigsby Report with a series of true or false questions. They're always a little fun. So here we go. We're going to end this Rigsby Report with true or false with Shannon Babb. Here's the first one, Shannon. True or false, okay. you and your crew guys used to make these aluminum foil bombs and throw and throw them into people's yards while washing the car. You'd watch the, now one night you threw a guy was mowing his lawn. It almost went horribly wrong one night. You threw it into some stranger's yard. Is that true or false? That story. That is very true. <laughs> uh, that was that, that. Every moment of that is stuck in my into my mind. Thank God we didn't hurt the guy, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, true or false? Smash. Your friend and mine, Terry Young, uh, yep. who's worked at Hoosier Tire Midwest, he is capable of reading minds, Shannon Babb. Is that true? He can actually read people's <laughs> minds. Is that true or false? That is very true. Um, and he is he is very good at it. That is one of our truck stop guys that I miss. That was one part of our racing that I uh, that was a lot of fun, is taking him on the road and, and watching him read minds at the truck stops. Uh, to, for those listening at home wondering, he didn't really read minds, but they cooked up a scheme where he could figure out what was going on <laughs> with these people. So uh, very much like – this is one of my favorite ones. True or false, 
Billy Moyer Jr., when he was a kid and you guys were on the road together, he would go to the concession stands and he would change the letters on the concession stands and then the track owners would get pissed off about it. That is true. That is true. I, uh, I, I do. I believe he was in Lebanon, Missouri when he did that. That was a while ago. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember that. Oh, I love that. I can see little junior, about 10 year old Billy Moyer jr. Doing that. Uh, uh, he was he was ornery and he would he would definitely entertain us all the time wherever we was at the everywhere. Uh, a couple to go here. This is my favorite one actually. True or false? After you beat Scott Bloomquist at the 2006 Dirt Track World Championship at Atomic, which was KC at the time, Bloomquist called you after having watched the film of the race for hours. And true or false? He said to you, "I couldn't believe that you passed me. I couldn't believe it." Is that true or false? <laughs> Well, we, we did talk several times and, you know, he, um, he definitely said, man, I, I think I left a little on table there. He said, I could have just come up a little bit and I would have had you, but he said, I, he said, I definitely have gave a few away like that before, but it was a good race. (laughs) Okay. Last one. True or false. Jay Hunt, Jay Bird. Uh, he once saw yep. you fall out of a tree and break your arm. And the worst part is, he was supposed to be videotaping the hunt, but he <laughs> screwed up, and he wasn't actually videotaping it. You were also supposed to race the Chili Bowl yet that year. Is that true? And that is very true. Yes, it is. We uh, we went deer hunting one day uh, right after Thanksgiving, and thank God it was about a 75-degree day. And uh, he was going to videotape us. And he videotaped us walking from the truck to the woods, <laughs> and then turned it and then turned it off. And about five minutes later, when we were all set up, uh, he was in one tree and I was in another tree, and we were in these climbing stands. And um, my stand fell, and uh, yeah, I fell, broke my arm, and he's seen it all. And but he he didn't video it. He's seen it all happen, and his eyes were huge. So anyhow, we uh, yeah, I was going to uh i was going to do the chili bowl that year and i ended up break, breaking my arm and and we that was between 06 and 07 we started in started in florida with a with a, a fresh arm right out of a cast i i just i love that story so much and he's telling me shannon he goes yeah this is when hunting shows were big so i was gonna film it i go oh but you got him falling on film he goes no i screwed up i didn't, I didn't get it, so. yeah yeah if he would have had it on film i could have been retired by that's now. right that come, on, Jay, come on come on <laughs> Uh, Shannon, that wraps it up for the interview. I just want to say on a personal level, I just wanted to tell you, uh, thank you. So many of my great racing memories are from you. You have always treated me and Amber and Todd and our entire team with total class and total respect as much as anybody. And I just wanted to tell you that, man, seriously, on a personal level, thank you level. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything. And, um, I mean, it. you really are. John Gill was my childhood hero, but you are, you are my favorite dirt late model driver of all time. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I, I sure appreciate it. And, uh, you know, um, I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing nowadays and you're, you're bringing all this to these, to everybody to view and, I just wish you would have been around back when I was winning races. <laughs> but anyhow, no, uh, it's it's really, really nice to be part of it. All right. Shannon, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, man. This is an important reminder for me to give the race fans, this truly is the best time ever to be a Dirt on Dirt subscriber. Starting this week with Volusia 1.0 and really kicking up at Gold Miles next week, 
Uh, but the DoD Speed Weeks coverage, to me, is the best work we do all year. As a Dirt on Dirt subscriber, you can expect the following content every night. Race day, Speed Weeks minutes, feature highlights, top 10 interviews from every race, and maybe most importantly, every night on the DoD Facebook page, the drive home, which has become incredibly popular, the Dirt on Dirt staff flips their camera on on the way home and goes live. It has become just crazy how many people love that, and we will be bringing that back this year as well. And that's just the nightly stuff. That doesn't even count Shelton Side Bites with Ben Shelton, One Lap, One Beer with Derek Kessinger, and so many other cool and special things that we have planned this year. From where I sit, it will be our best Speed Weeks coverage year ever. So please spread the word. Check in with DOD every night as we begin coverage of our 15th Speed Weeks. I can't believe I'm getting this old. 15 Speed Weeks coming up this year. Thank you to Bab, 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 Bab. I just love him so much. I love him. I love his family. I love Emily. I just, I love, I love everything they stand for. And thank you to Shannon for hopping on with me. Don't forget, like I said in that reader, our, our Dirt on Dirt Speed Weeks coverage coming up. We've got some more exciting announcement coming on Flow as well. Exciting announcements, I should say. Uh, it's just going to be a big 2022. We'll get back in the studio, Rigsby reporting and video casting as much as possible. So uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in, and we will see you in Georgia and Florida in the next couple weeks. Thanks. Thank you to Bab, 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 Bab. I just love him so much. I love him. I love his family. I love Emily. I just, I love, I love everything they stand for. And thank you to Shannon for hopping on with me. Don't forget, like I said in that reader, our, our Dirt on Dirt Speed Weeks coverage coming up. We've got some more exciting announcement coming on Flow as well. Exciting announcements, I should say. Uh, it's just going to be a big 2022. We'll get back in the studio, Rigsby reporting and video casting as much as possible. So, uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in, and we will see you in Georgia and Florida in the next couple weeks. Thanks.